Hi there, and welcome to the Feeling the Sonic podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Connor. This is episode 37, and the title of this episode is Y-O-U-N-G. Joining me as my guest is singer, songwriter, guitarist, frontman, music and podcast producer, and all-round muso, Alan Smith. In this episode, Alan and I chat around his music with his band Bellevue Days, also his solo project under the auspices of A. Charles Music, and we touch on the vagaries of music and podcast production. All that's to come, but first, here's a quick reminder of what the Feeling the Sonic podcast is all about. Feeling the Sonic is an indie hub featuring news, views, and interviews with notable creatives on entrepreneurial lifestyle, health, very much including mental health, and original independent music. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify Podcasts, or indeed, wherever you get your podcast fix. Feeling the Sonic, it's a matter of choice. So here I am with Alan Smith, songwriter, producer, podcast producer, music producer, frontman, guitarist, singer, all-round muso, Alan Smith. Alan, how are you, mate? I'm doing very good. It's good to uh, be podcasting in person, isn't it? It is, right. So this is the first Feeling the Sonic podcast that will have actually been recorded with my guest in the same room. And Alan has very kindly invited me to his home studio, this superb setup uh, that he has here. And Alan, I once heard somewhere, not quite sure where it was, but they say that the best place to interview someone is where they feel most comfortable. And for you, this is it, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think having a facility like this, you know, in your home, I mean, nowadays people, we've had to get used to working remotely for one thing, but as a musician and as a producer, you don't necessarily have to have a go-to studio. Yeah, I think like the days where you used to have to like save up like a thousand pounds to record free tracks, which you've been writing, like you don't really have to do that anymore. You could just do it from your comfort of your own home. Yeah. I mean, particularly as a songwriter, because I can see the, all the gear that you've got set up on your desk there. Yeah. You've got everything there that you would have in a traditional recording studio with a, with a massive desk and live room and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I suppose the only thing you couldn't necessarily do in here I mean, it'd be a bit of a squeeze, but is <laughs> is a band, you record a band, but you could certainly do it in bit part. Yeah, exactly. So like the main thing I'll do at my home studio is to do guitars and vocals and like bass or MIDI keyboard and stuff. Yeah. Um, my band, Bellevue, we rent a live studio. So like if we ever was to record drums, we do the drums there, then I take it back here to mix kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had to get used to that as well, of course, you know, through lockdown where... In fact, we've worked on projects together where we've uh, we've recorded individually our part, and then you know you've got the obviously the, the mixing skills and mastering skills to put that together as as a whole track. So the band doesn't necessarily have to be in the same room all at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's all just one big illusion these days, isn't it? 
it is. I mean, it's amazing what you can create, you know, from, from a space. But so in in lockdown, then how, how have you you done the whole lockdown thing? Because as I say, this is the the first time I've actually been sat in a room. Uh, yeah. Even though we are socially distanced, let's let's oh, point yeah. that out. Oh, um, yeah. I'm not coming anywhere near you, but uh, <laughs> we've got enough room in here to you know to sit and both have our our own microphones. And on that, then as the podcast producer, is the is the audio quality because recording over the internet, where every podcast interview that I've done up until today yeah. has been done literally remotely over the phone, and you know, and I only do audio only as well, so there's no visual connection which can be quite difficult. But what's the audio quality difference like when you record an interview over the internet versus being in the same room with individual mics? To be honest, these days with like technology and like how good internet can be, like sometimes you can find that it can sound really good quality still, even if it's just over the phone with like even like an iPhone uh, headphone microphone is quite decent quality. But really like you can never really beat like when you're in the same room as each other, no. um, you're looking at each other and like you've got the gear, you the control you have in the room is probably a bit easier. Yeah. But it all depends on what, what the situation is. Like if, because obviously when you're on the phone to someone, what room are they in? What kind of environment are they in? Is, do they live near a main road? Are they in an equity room? Like, so it all depends really. And then like you receive that and then you have to treat that, each podcast you treat differently really. Um, but there have been, I think a number of, um, for podcasters, uh, recording suites or recording uh, software that you can get that has, you know, it varies in, in, in quality and range and stuff. But on the whole, I think you can get a pretty good audio quality remotely from pretty much anywhere in the world, as long as the person at the other end has a strong Wi-Fi, yeah. as you say, and a nice, quiet environment to do it in. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, um, it's amazing now that you could literally, for free, chat to someone in America. Yeah, in fact, I am. Next week, uh, I've got an interview lined up with a singer-songwriter in LA uh, on Pacific time, so I had to look that up. <laughs> so she's on, I think it's an eight-hour time difference. So the mm. interview's going to take place 11 a.m. Pacific for her, and it'll be 7 p.m. in the evening in the UK for me. But, nice. uh, you know, the world's getting smaller, and we can still talk to each other. Yeah. And um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll do a really, really good interview with good audio quality because you're going to produce it. Yeah, bloody better be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so when you when you get the, the files from me, then because um, let's just point out to people listening is that Alan is the I'm not sure whether you're called the editor or the producer, both um, probably. I do the content, but you do the um, you, you cut it together. But I guess I. I'd, so you level the magic, all the sounds to make sure, it. yeah, because I think when because we include music on the Feeling Versonic podcast, sometimes when you try and cobble something like that together yourself, the audio levels can be very different from the interview taking place and then when you drop the music in. So it's always good to have that fade and the levels the same so it's consistent throughout. That's it, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the gear that you have here then, so you've set yourself up in this fantastic studio. Yeah. Um, do you want to take us through your your setup or should we talk about music? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, basically, I've just invested in some analog gear. Um, it basically, it's like I've got a preamp and a compressor. I've also invested in some new monitors um, for playing music, Yamaha. I basically, I should probably do like a video rundown. You of should, it, yeah, uh, at, sh- at pretty, some point, yeah, because pretty pretty interesting. I was, yeah, because this is only audio. So, people that know what you're talking about will probably 
yeah, be exactly. familiar yeah, with yeah, that, yeah. but anybody that doesn't doesn't know. So, yeah, um, yeah. so uh, something I've just spotted on your desk there um, that we spoke about earlier: the differences between some of the gear that you can get as a as a podcast or or in any kind of production. So the interface, um, I've been traditionally used to using the Focusrite, and I spotted on your desk there that SSL. What's what's the difference? And would you say that's a better uh, piece of kit than the than the Focusrite? Better, I think it is probably a little bit better. It's, it's slightly more expensive, and the difference is like the internal preamp. So each interface can have a slightly different sound, and uh, the SSL has a special uh, 4K legacy feature which uh, replicates their old school analog mixing desk. Uh, um, so you can get like a nice kind of analog sound to it, which yeah. Uh, yeah. sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and the microphone that you're using and I'm using as well. Well. We've both got the same microphone. Yeah, yeah. The Shure. Uh, yeah. the, the, that's what, what made you go for that one? Uh, basically, I saw loads of videos over lockdown with people using it, whether it be for podcasting, live music, uh, recording, and I just thought, I've got to get myself one of these. Yeah. And to yeah. be honest, though, I, I've, I've, I need to use it more because I haven't really used it yet, but uh, yeah, I need to get the hang of it. Each well, microphone it takes time to get used to the sound and yeah. like you produce each microphone differently it's crazy yeah. so mine i think is the the brother or sister to that one so just just to just let's give it a, a brand and a name check that the, the, the microphone that you have there yeah this is the short sm7b yeah which seems to be the daddy of uh especially for podcasts for podcasts and yeah. the recommended um you know one of the recommended mics for it yeah and i think mine is the sm7 or something like that the uh, sm7 or something, something. That's, a, that's a good name <laughs> but it's equally um you know it's, it's they're, they're great mics so we highly recommend don't we alan yes yeah sure sure microphones sure yeah so alan we're also going to have a chat around your music and your solo project as well as your ongoing band project with bellevue days but firstly let's have a chat around your a charles music setup so as a songwriter producer because i know that you've been working with other artists including me uh and, you know collaborative work and what comes under that a charles music umbrella and um we're going to have a listen to one of the tracks that you've recently written but what's what's it all about so yeah i think a charles is a project where i'll showcase my own songs which i've written uh, on my own and produced where i where i'll collaborate with other people whether it be they feature on a track or I do some songwriting with them and they'll just record a track for me. So yeah, it's just basically doing all sorts. It's just like an umbrella title for like all the, all like the solo project stuff I've been up to really. Yeah, so you've been extremely busy with that because um, obviously we follow each other on Instagram and I can see a lot of the work that you've been done there. And I think the way that people have handled the lockdown has really gone in one of two ways. They've either been mega creative or they've gone completely the other way yeah exactly and done absolutely nothing and you know you are a, a creative person you yeah. and one thing i've noticed about you Alan, you're always busy you are always doing something mainly mostly music so i mean could you describe what music means to you it's yeah. not an easy question and, to and answer also, but what, does it, what does it what does it mean to you and why do you do it i think it's just it's just like such a good way of like blowing off a bit of steam um it's I always find it's quite healthy to be productive because I mean like during lockdown I'm not going to lie like there were times where I just played a lot of PlayStation because it's hard it's it's so hard especially yeah. during lockdown to be motivated all the time because you don't have there's no real structure like 
you don't have anything to do. So, yeah. But, you know, saying that, you know, you have to really just try to get yourself out of, you know, not doing anything because it's quite easy to fall into the trap of waking up, getting up, just doing nothing. But um, then it goes in waves. So I've recently been trying to write as much as possible because I think that's the only way you improve. Mm. Like, so if you do have a break for a bit, you, you might come back and think, well, how do you even play the C chord or something? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> but I mean, the there is there's this adage that, um, you know, to get good at something or to be competent at something or to be an expert at something is that you need to do 10,000 hours. So do you reckon you've put in 10,000 hours? Because you've been, you've been at this for a long, I'll not say a long time, but you've been at this for, you know, for a few years. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, to be honest. You must have racked up 10,000 hours doing music-related stuff. So I guess I started playing guitar when I was 13. So I can't do the maths that quickly. <laughs> no, but let's just say, okay, let's just say a decade or so. So yeah, yeah 1,000 hours a year, there's your 10,000 hours. There we go. I've done yeah. it, definitely. definitely that means that. I'm now a master at yeah. my craft. And your music then, so you're, obviously if you're not write, writing for the band, if you're writing under your A. Charles music umbrella, what what's the vibe of that? Of that, you know, what type of songs are they? And what, what is it that you're looking, you know, what do you want to, what your sound to be like? I, mean, I, I get sometimes that your your music can be a little bit angsty. I mean, do you have subject matter or do you just write about life or how you're feeling? You know what? What? Where? Where? Do you, where does it come from? Like sometimes you'd write from personal experience. Sometimes it would just be complete, like a made-up story in your head, which you feel like it could be quite a cool thing to write about. Um, in terms of style, like A. Charles, it can it would be anything. Like it, would, it could be at the moment, like I'm writing like a quite a rocky track with Sam Christmas. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I was co-writing a song with Joe, which is like kind of like trappy R&B kind of vibes. So it's just like, because it is my own project, Yeah, there's no like real pressure to be a certain style. Like I can just, I'll release one song and then I want to challenge myself to be able to try to do different styles. I think being diverse can really help you, especially if you want, like and in terms of being a songwriter, I want to write with other people. So the more different types of genres are right, Hopefully, the more doors it will open the up. More rounded you become. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, so I think a lot of bands, when they get um, or, or artists, when they are signed, as you alluded to, there is that they almost get told what to write, what to write about, what to look like, what to sound like, and and that's not. I mean, lots of people aspire to being signed by a label, but when you have that much, when a label has that much control over your artistry and your creativity, you know, is it really worth that? Yeah. And to be honest, I think the bands who do the best are the ones who evolve and change with time and, like, who don't always, like, that. they go against the grain kind of thing. Like, um, the bands like the 1975, um, yeah. who, like, they evolve, like, each song in their album could be a different style, but people like that, you know, they don't want to... People, I think, don't want to hear the same songs over and over again anymore, you know? Yeah. They like to see change because mm. the world moves so quickly now. But having said that, though, I mean, I think when I, I, for example, I don't necessarily, I'm a different generation, but the, um, I'm not sure if it's an age thing, but it's more of a kind of mindset and, and what's, you know, that word that they use, you know, what's current. But it all sounds the same to me. If yeah, you, I if don't you even know what's the, current anymore. No, exactly. I mean, do you know what number one is? <sighs> no, I, no, I literally <laughs> I have, have no idea. No idea because I, I just listen don't to listen that. to chart music. When yeah. I'm very much, I'm still kind of stuck in the 90s. 
to a, yeah. to a large degree. But that's the music I like, and maybe, that's the music. Maybe I... I'm now stuck. I'm stuck in the tens. I'm dragging you back down with me, mate. Yeah, I'm stuck. <laughs> I listen to Oasis more than anyone else now. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned the change there. I mean, the Oasis albums. I mean, the first two albums. Um, I mean, definitely, maybe changed. You know, forever the, the the music scene. I mean, when Oasis yeah. appeared on the scene, it was it was this kind of post grunge thing where all of a sudden it's like, my, who are these guys? You know. Yeah. So, um, but I think it's going to take something pretty special to to have a similar effect with a band coming on the scene because it's just so difficult. I don't think to be heard. It's so difficult for bands to make that kind of um, thing now. Like that kind it's, of it's more like solo artists now like yeah. Billie Eilish or something they're the ones who are like having the big impact in the, the pop industry yeah and and, and, I think, and people like Justin Bieber I mean the, the way yeah. that the people they get known is is it, is it largely through through like YouTube and things like that these days well now it's TikTok oh TikTok yeah of course you, you know, be, but, make a TikTok song then you're uh, and it goes viral laughing. yeah <laughs> But a lot of it, let's it's face it, I mean, a lot stupid. of it's rubbish, though, isn't it? I think most. It's just like, yeah, they're the they're the ones who are probably going to be one hit wonders. Like a lot of TikTok songs, you know, you might have yeah. one popular song, yeah, and then that's probably it, really. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, the exposure that you get. I mean, if you can get yourself on, to be honest, a, like I'd rather have one massive song than not have one massive song. So yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Horses for courses. Exactly. But, um, all right, we're going to have a listen to one of those tracks then. Now, Alan, if you want to introduce it. Um, from your A. Charles Music Project. Yes. Um, it's called King of London. If you can tell us a little bit about the track before we play it, then, um, you know, what can people listen out for? You know, have you had any, is there a kind of influence there? Is there a story behind it? What's the what, what's the vibe? So, yeah, King of London is basically about, like, escaping and not feeling like you're part of your town you grew up in anymore and you feel like you've maybe outgrown it and you just have to get away from it and in a way just never look back that's what it's about yeah escapism exactly okay here it is this is King of London by A. Charles I never wanna go back even if I'm looking at a roadmap even if I got an empty rucksack there's enough of the world to never regret what I said before I left I got enough change for a few days I'll get a job waiting on tables Waiting for some luck to change it all wanna look back even if I wanna fucking so bad I'll be taking words from my notepad don't do it you got nothing good for you back there don't feel down I used to be king of London now I'm drinking far too much for a weekday it's an escape not a holiday so I never need a roadmap cause I never know where I'm At the same time, at the same time, at the same time I said I never need a romance Cause I never know where I'm going And I got people searching 
A. Charles music project you've been busy recording other artists you've been producing other artists you've been co-writing and producing beats and things like that that so you're really getting into the you know the music producer side of things so do you want to mention maybe one of the projects that you work because you've gone completely off the vibe I know you for um with with rap music as well you've you've had a rapper in the studio. Yeah, so um, earlier on in the year, we had a uh, up-and-coming rapper, Jordan, who um, he actually stayed here for like four days. He wanted to escape his hometown of uh, Salford. He was king of Manchester. Yeah, he's yeah, king of Salford. In fact, I think he is king of Manchester now, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. Like, <laughs> so yeah, like he literally came down here uh, four days. Um, Joe, my mate, was here as well. He basically wanted to write and record a song for... Um, a thing called Duppy, which is on Grime Daily, um, where like they just post a lot. It's like a live video kind of thing uh, where the music's already recorded and the vocals, um, and they go there and just basically sing it. Um, it's, it's managed to get over 3 million views now, which is quite good. But what we done, we basically just recorded the vocals for it, um, recorded and mixed the vocals into the beats, um, which is, it can be challenging because we basically, if we receive a beat, you just have that one audio file. So you can't really manipulate it too much. So we, we manipulated it as much as we could, um, like considering what we had. Um, but yeah, we just mixed the vocals into it, um, come up with a few ideas for mm. it with him. And yeah, we had a good time with it. So how was, how did that come about then? Was that through your management that, yeah, so, uh, that, was, that was fixed up? Yeah, exactly. So our manager, Stephen O'Reilly, uh, head of IE Music, who do with Robbie Williams and used to do oh, Lily Allen. stable of artists there. Yeah, yeah Lily Allen, all that sh- uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he just, he got in contact. And at the time I was actually in, in Suffolk draw, and it was kind of during lockdown, but because of the entertainment industry, you're actually allowed to still record with other people. So Joe picked me up, four-hour drive, came down here. <laughs> he, and I had all my studio in Lowestoft, uh, Suffolk. So he picked me up, all my gear. We drove home for four days, recorded a bit. To do the job. Had copious amount of takeaways. Well, it sounds, it sounds, sounds great. I mean, what, one of the... Um, I mean, in, in the days when bands, when they used to go to a residential studio... You know, sometimes yeah. for weeks on end. I mean, I'd love to do something like that. The, yeah, I think yeah. the closest I've got is I did. I went on a songwriting camp to Mono Valley Studios in Wales. In fact, that was where Oasis recorded Supersonic. Oh wow! And it's got this iconic setup there. Just absolutely loved it. But as we said at the beginning, you know, those days are. I don't know how how well res- residential studios do nowadays because a lot of people are doing and creating the same quality of music. Yeah. from their from their home studios so um you know but i think just have that experience would be something it would be 
phenomenal if I one day one day I'm going to get to do that yeah so um, yeah so so producing other artists and recording other artists and um, and all that type of stuff so when how do you, when you were in studios yourself so rather than just kind of writing and performing and, and singing and playing guitar when you're in the studio, were you kind of noticing what was going on on the production? Did you take an interest in what was going on behind the desk or have you taught yourself or yes. how, how have you got into this position? Like, So from almost day one, like I've wanted to record as well. I wanted to write songs and to, and be, to be able to listen to them back. Yeah. Um, so literally from... Before we could even play guitar, me and my brother Kevin, we used to like, I used to wrap elastic bands around like a plastic box and play it like a guitar. And literally, <laughs> like, had little, it could tune it slightly. And uh, we recorded onto a cassette yeah. on like a radio. So even from then, but then like, we got a computer when I was like 13 and used a, like a Audacity, which is like a little door. Um, hmm. But yeah, I've just been into it since. Since I could really, since we had a computer, yeah. almost I wanted to record with like a little USB mic. I used to use that USB mic to mic up my amp and uh, yeah. try to get a little sound out of it. So yeah, well, just, I think that's. I mean, so you, it was almost like a given that you were going to get into that area as well, as well as being an artist yourself and you know, and yeah, singer exactly. songwriter, you know, band member, guitarist, and everything else like that. But yeah, it seems to me that I mean, from, if I think about my own experiences, I don't care how it happens. I just want to play the music. Yeah, yeah exactly. But you're yeah. the, I've described you before as the kind of, you know, real muso. So you're, yeah. and I've also seen you when you listen back to a song that you've done. Yeah. And your critical listening, yeah. I would say, you've got a great ear to, and you hear things that I would, what? I'd have to re rewind yeah. it to, to hear what you were talking about. But it may be the slightest glitch or it may be the slightest um, in, in a mix. Yeah. You, you can detect that quite, quite, yeah. to, quite readily. Yeah? I, I think, yeah, it's, it's annoying sometimes though, because now like the more I listen to stuff, like the more I listen to my own mix, and I'm like, oh, it's just I I feel like it's never good enough. So it's always I'm always trying to improve, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, which is great, you know. I mean, yeah. That's that's um, you know how you, well I say you are an expert now, but who's to say you know you can't be a guru? Yeah, I'll probably look <laughs> in five, look back in five years and think well, it takes I, a I wasn't while. Good. It takes yeah. a while for the you know producers to. Um, you know, but a lot of producers and they they still do all, do all their own stuff and everything. But to have yeah. that added interest, I think about yeah, exactly. the, the the tech that goes on behind it and music yeah, production it just helps. Is, yeah. is a massive massive skill for sure and a real benefit. Yeah. Um, so, who else have you um, worked with recently? Then and I saw you had another project going on. With, yes, um, some, um, doing some beats and things like that. Yeah. Uh, well, I've only done a couple of beats really. Um, not sold any yet. But if you do want to buy one off me. Let me know. Well, we'll we'll put them in the show notes about where you can, <laughs> yeah. where you can find your Purchase music. My beats. Uh, yeah. So the other, I've been the only other guy I've worked with recently, just because of lockdown, it's so hard to actually yeah. get people in a room. Um, is uh, Matt Trussler from Seasonal? Um, he came with me. He came over to record two songs, which um, turned out really well. Actually, he's really happy with how it turned out, and as am I. I think like the songs are really cool, and it was just good work. It's always just so good working with other people, yeah. and. Um, just experiment because he was very open to like my ideas and to be able to like experiment a little bit like add piano parts yeah and he yeah he, val he like it's so good when people will like come to you and they value your opinion and stuff yeah. but sometimes people they might want to record with you but they don't give a shit about what you say yeah they just want to record it yeah no that's right so, so yeah i think that's i think if people can take that because we we do i think naturally we you know, we like what we do, and it's and you know, I've, I've been in the situation many times where I think I've got an absolute cracker of a song, 
and somebody will go, hmm, you know. So yeah, it's it's, uh, it's you have to be quite tactful, I suppose, in the way you go about it. But you also have to be flexible and listen to people that know what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Because you can get a little bit, you know, condensed within your own yeah. bubble, if you like. Yeah, um, exactly. So let's have a listen to the result of Match Track that Alan worked on, mixed and mastered. This is The Night by Half Hope. Each time it would start at the king's Ten pound coins to make the jukebox sing By twelve we'd make a plan for the night Straight to a house till we hit Fahrenheit Lost orders never come to your studio and leave this podcast and leave the people wanting we have to talk about Bellevue days and it's fair to say that uh, there's been a few changes in your lineup for one thing but also uh, your music where you over lockdown you have been as we discovered been very creative 
Um, and you've not only been writing new material, but you've also revisited some great Bellevue Days tracks and, and reworked them, remixed them with a, with a slightly different vibe. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so like the middle of last year during lockdown, we knew that it was hard to get into a room to write new songs together. So we was kind of like, well, let's just rework the old songs, you know. Have some fun. Yeah, that's like, we'll draw some inspiration from different genres. And like each song, we kind of took in a new direction from ripped jeans, which has kind of ended up having like a drum and bass chorus. Now, I would say, or would you agree that ripped jeans is the Bellevue Days anthem? I'd say it's one of. It's definitely up there yeah, with, uh, yeah. with the anthems. Because that would always be on a set, wouldn't it? I think so. There's a few songs which we could probably never get rid of. I always remember when we was on tour with As It Is and a, uh, one of the girls in the crowd was holding up a sign saying, I ripped my jeans for yeah. your set. Well, I've been, I've been to a few of those gigs and when, when you play that, it's almost one of those songs that I think it's the ultimate accolade as a songwriter is that the, the crowd, When I mean, I've never experienced this myself, but having a crowd sing a song back to you or joining in and having that it must be a massive buzz you know to have something like that and people you know going to these lengths almost insisting that you play it I mean I don't think you'd be able to get through a Bellevue Days gig without playing Rip Jeans yeah yeah exactly it's so like to be honest sometimes like there's always songs people want us to play but like sets are only like 8 to 10 songs long and yeah. like you know like sorry we just don't we don't play that anymore like, well you're not going until you do <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> do it as an encore maybe but uh, yeah. yeah so you reworked that one as well and, and, and a couple of other ones but the one we wanted to have a listen to was Y-O-U-N-G, yeah. which I'm going to play now. And that's got a completely different vibe to um, what I've been used to yeah, listening exactly. to Bellevue Days. But I mean, dare I say it's got a sort of vamps, vampsy sort of vibe to it. And well, you, you, it's bouncy and it's happy and it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's a great sound. But um, yeah, so w where did that one come from then? And where did you grab that sort of inspiration from? Uh, inspiration, I would say it kind of come from... Um, what's that band? No and the Whale. Um, they've got a song called uh, "Life Goes On." L I F E G O E S. So when would you go? So I kind of went Y O U N G. Um, but yeah, that's why it kind of ended up on the the rework tape, remix tapes, because it was kind of it didn't really suit the vibe we was going for as our band in general. But it was definitely like a good B side, and it was nice to add a new song to our uh, rework remix tapes release. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, love, I love that. I mean, the B-side thing is, is not necessarily, I don't know, is it still a thing nowadays with people? Um, but, you know, as an Oasis fan, I mean, the, a lot of the Oasis B-sides, but that does very have that B-side vibe to it. Yeah, you know, exactly. To a, to a, to a major A-side release, yeah? Yeah, that's that's it, exactly. So, And that was recorded remotely? All, in, yeah. In, all, in lockdown, just remotely, having, some, yeah. having some fun with exactly. um, your partner in crime? Yeah, Joe Blackford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he's a great writer, and he's a, he's got a good vocal, and he's a brilliant bass player. In fact, he's a brilliant guitarist. Yeah. So the two of you, yeah, that's quite a formidable partnership. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's have a listen to that now. Then this is Y O U N G by Bellevue Days. I love this goddamn weather. The way she looks at me. If I lose my concentration, will I lose everything? You drive out, sit here drinking, Stella cold, she's cool with me. I'll play some guitar and record the songs I learned to play when I was Y O U N G. I was. 
was Y-O-U-N-G Y-O-U-N-G I was Y-O-U-N-G But that's not for me I stumble around Shouting something like Good times go they laugh as if I'm stupid Times that these won't come again So stop and think, just don't forget it But I blink and she flies away Or play an old song and I start singing like So looking forward then, um, I suppose you're very excited about your forthcoming tour with Bellevue Days, and that will be, for the fans, traditional vibe and sound that Bellevue Days, that people would expect from Bellevue Days. And you've got a tour coming up in August, kicking off down in Brighton, also playing in London at the Camden Assembly, in Manchester and in Newcastle. I mean, that must be, after what we've just had for the last... 18 months or so. I mean, you must be thrilled to get on that tour and, and you know, really looking forward to getting out into live music venues and playing some live music. I'm buzzing for it. I am as well, because I'm going to come to two of them. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I'll make Manchester gonna... and Newcastle, but um, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to stay in Brighton? I think, yeah, I'm going to stay at the Grand Hotel in oh, Brighton. Lovely. Where are you? The Premier Inn? Maybe, maybe <laughs> just a travel lodge. A travel lodge. <laughs> if there's one in the centre, maybe we'll just pitch a tent on the fucking. I don't beach. know. Well, I want to make Excuse it. I want to make. A, I want to make a whole trip out of it. You know. Um, yeah. You know, get down in Brighton and. Um, you could jump in the van with us. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, you could. No, you, I'm not. I'm not getting in the car manager. with David Marley. No. No. no I'm not but doing. you could drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be. I'll be your tour manager. Yeah. yeah imagine um, that. Yeah. No. Definitely come see you in Brighton. Uh, in fact, the last time I saw you in Brighton was. You were supporting as it is. Yeah, yeah. At the, it was one of the great gigs that I went to there. That was at the Concord Two, which was a superb. As far yeah, as venues yeah. go, that's that's up there, isn't it? Yeah, to be honest, it was so cool playing such a nice venue like that. Yeah, it was a, it was a, crowd it was a privilege. Well. Yeah, really, really, really great night that was. Uh, as you say, and we had a few beers in Brighton afterwards, didn't we? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. drunk. So it's good. Um, so yeah, what can what can people? Your set then is from comprised of tracks from your debut so, album. Um, yeah. What's what's the set that you're going to be treating so, us to? Um, I, I won't I won't spoil anything no, by saying yeah. the whole set, but I'll say you know we'll be playing some classics. Um, as you you got to do, you know, we're not like Radiohead, you know, 
they don't want to play creep, but you know. Um, You're going to play ripped jeans. We'll play ripped jeans. We'll play pepper tea. We'll play just like all all the bangers, really. Um, yeah. And we're going to chuck in probably, hopefully we're going to be releasing three songs before the tour. So we'll chuck probably two or three oh, new maybe. songs in. Okay. One of the ones that um, we're going to play out with that was written and recorded last year, 2020. Yes. And what a year that was for everybody. Um, but we're going to play out with Bellevue Days and 2020 Vision. Um, what have you got to say about that one? Well, I've got to say, you know, um, originally it was written as a kind of felt like an acoustic Beck vibe song. Um, and then we took it to the band, um, the new band, uh, comprised of uh, Sam Christmas and Simon Roberts. And we just rocked it up a bit. Um, the song itself about a toxic relationship, you know, the back and forth of lust and hate and all all, all the feelings you feel in a relationship. Love-hate relationship. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that song's about that, really. And it was, obviously, I wrote the song when it became 2020. It was, it was, so it was way before re- lockdown. It, yeah. was, it was probably January, but I just, because it was the year 2020, I thought, oh, I've got to write a song called 2020 Vision. And, um, because it's like double meaning, isn't it? Really? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, creative license as a songwriter and and using metaphor as well, of course. Oh, yeah. All right, here it is. This is 2020 Vision by Bellevue Days. You said you're driving my car. I said you're driving me mad. Took a trip on a twenty to the end of the land. Cause there's a pain in my heart. There's a cut on my brain. Took a pill to feel better, but I'm better. Smoking 
So all that remains for me to say is, Alan, thank you very much for the invitation to your fantastic studio setup that you have here. It's been a real privilege uh, and an honour to basically do this interview, the very first Feeling the Sonic podcast interview that I haven't had to record remotely. And we are socially distanced, of course, and I would shake your hand, but yep. I won't. But <laughs> thanks again. And um, it's, it's been great coming over and great having a chat to you. And it just feels so good to be in the same room as somebody else uh, and, and chat about all things music, music production, music in general, life in general. Actually, before I go, how are you getting on with your driving test or your driving lessons? Um, I cancelled it. That's all been put on hold, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it's so um, annoying. I cancelled it. Yeah, it was so, too, they rebooked it for like three weeks after you can start taking lessons again. Yeah. So I couldn't do it down yeah. the time. So hopefully, um, you know, you'll, you'll be upwardly and actively mobile That's, fairly soon hope so. in, into 2021. But for now, mate, great to see you. Great to chat to you. Great music choices, as always. And uh, I'll hopefully see you again very soon. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Bye. My thanks again to Alan for joining me as my guest. If you would like any further information on Alan's music and or podcast production services, please do drop us a message here on the Feeling the Sonic podcast or visit our website, www.versonicmusic.com. My name is Stephen Connor, and you have been listening to the Feeling the Sonic podcast. Until next time, keep calm, stay safe, and God bless. Mm-hmm.